Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode number 60. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I am thrilled to have Ricky Ayers from B-Rad Media with us. Welcome, Ricky. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled. Ricky is the founder of B-Rad Media and is a copywriter and content marketing strategist who helps clients develop on-brand, customer-focused content strategies and write clear, concise and interesting content for their websites and other marketing channels. Ricky, how did you get on this path? Yeah, it's been a long time coming. (laughs) Um, I've been a freelance writer for about nine years. I got started in my early 20s. And until this year, I've done freelance writing mostly very, very part time. um, And ended up specializing in web copy throughout the years because that's what a lot of people were looking for. And in the past three years, I've worked in various uh, digital marketing and communications roles and slowly built my my business on the side. And, you know, I've done quite a few different digital marketing things, everything from like social media advertising to copywriting to graphic design. But copywriting is always the thing that I come back to. So I decided just to stick with that. And it's been great. Oh, that's fabulous. I love that. So one of the questions that I ask on the screening sheet for guests is what role does positive thinking and law of attraction play in your life? And I loved your response. You said, when I want something, whether it be a new dream client or a writing getaway, you focus really hard on it. Can you give an example of how this has played in your business or in your personal life recently? Yeah, uh, I have a funny ritual that I do. I don't know if it's that funny. It's funny to me because I've always been kind of not a s- overly spiritual person. But it's funny because when I do kind of tap into my spiritual side, like things work. So <laughs> there's a bit of denial going on inside me. Um, when I'm really, really kind of struggling with something or I'm not clear about something, I actually do a meditation practice where I shut off all the lights. I put on music. I'll do a guided meditation to start with. I might have candles or crystals or whatever I feel like I need. And I do a journaling exercise afterwards. Um, And I really just hone in on that one thing that I feel like I really need clarity on. And I kid you not, after I do that and I get really clear and I get quiet, within a week, something comes through. Like, I kid you not, it's so, it's so strange and I'm so grateful for it. And so I just keep going with that. Um, recently, I, as a freelancer, you know, you're always kind of dealing with a lot of work and then less work and you kind of never really get into this flow of being able to forecast your income. 
months ahead of time. And so my recent thing was, oh, you know, I really just want to do a long-term project with clients that I can really build a relationship over time. Like that was my focus. So I did my ritual and just a few days ago, the answer came and things are great. So it works. Um, I know it sounds a little woo-woo to some people listening, but if you can find some kind of a ritual where you get quiet with yourself and you get really clear on what your intention and what you need from the universe or whatever um, is, it helps so much. See, that's the hardest part for me is the quiet part. <laughs> and I don't even mean with all my kids. I mean, when I try to meditate, I have so much going on in my brain that it, sometimes it's just really hard to be quiet. Do you have any tips for that? Yeah, um, I have trouble with it too, especially I think as a writer because I'm always thinking about stuff and like narrating situations, which is super weird. But I use, I just got turned on to an app called Calm. Uh, so I put that on my phone. It's short guided meditations. And then I will just sit quiet after that. There are several apps out there. You know, Deepak Chopra and Oprah have got a whole thing where they do 21 day meditations that I highly recommend because it helps you build a practice. And then just putting yourself in the, the headspace before you start to do it. So I recommend, you know, not being on social media or watching TV or something that gets you really kind of stimulated and wound up beforehand. If you kind of, you know, have a bath before or make dinner before or something relaxing and then get into it, it it's easier. Calm and then Deepak and Oprah's apps. That is so yeah. fantastic. This will all be in the show notes just so you listeners know. And you can find those and all the links that we'll be talking about upcoming at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP060 for episode 60. So, Ricky, when you are working on writing, do you have a set time that you sit down or do you sit down and write or stand up and write? I don't, I'd love to know how you write <laughs> uh, when the ideas come to you, what works best for you? Um, yeah. So it's changed over the year. When I first started doing my own business full time, um, having worked for other businesses, you know, for my entire working life, I had to really come to terms with how to set my own structure and routine throughout the day. So I actually um, became a morning person as of this year. Before that, you know, mornings were the enemy and I would stay up till 12 or 1. Um, and now I go to bed at like 10 o'clock at night and get up at 6 and it works for me. So I write from, um, depending on the kind of work that I do, I usually do my client work between 7 and noon and then maybe a little bit in the evenings. And then in the afternoons, I do kind of other more administrative or other marketing work that I have to do. Um, I do stand up and sit down. I have a little stand up, um, I don't think it's a stand up desk. It's like a thing you put on top of a table and it extends and I can put my laptop up on there, which is great. Um, especially in the afternoons when I start to feel tired, go through the caffeine crash, I need to do some kind of movement and I can, you know, do squats from my stand up desk while I'm writing, which, uh, helps. And I just had to interject. Yeah. You you just got me excited because that is exactly what happens to me. <laughs> Probably every single day between one and two, I just hit that lull. Yeah. And I'm in that happy lunch coma, even though I work at home. And I think I'm going to have to try that. I don't have a standing desk, but I'm going to have to find something that I can put on my desk. 
with my wireless keyboard and start doing squats. I mean, yeah, even just like a stack of books works. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I know I've got plenty of those (laughs) sitting here staring at me right now. So I'm definitely tomorrow. I am starting that. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It makes such a difference. Because yeah, I mean, in the afternoon, when I start to crash, it's awful. Like I can, if I'm sitting down, there are times when I can barely keep my eyes open. And I will write the same sentence or look at the same sentence like for 20 minutes and not get anything done. So I have to move. Oh, absolutely. So where do you find that most of your ideas for your writing comes from? Oh, good question. For my personal writing and my business, it's usually conversations that I have with people, um, whether it be clients. So for BeRadMedia.com, it's all about content marketing and writing. And often my blog posts are inspired by conversations with clients that are kind of like common questions. So one that I recently did was how to do special, um, they're called UTM parameters, which is just a nerdy way of saying uh, special codes that you put in your links for your Google ads. So you know where your website traffic's coming from. And that sparked an idea for a blog post. Other ones have been, you know, actually talking to people about the presidential election and kind of what that brings up for people in terms of a marketing sense and how we should market ourselves and portray ourselves in the world. Um, yeah. So it's mostly from conversations that I have with people and the problems that they're facing and the questions that they have about the kind of work that I do. I can't even imagine having a conversation with somebody about UTM parameters because yeah, that is something tough. I do in my job as well. <laughs> and I just actually had to explain to a client why changing all the URLs after the blogs had already been published was really not a great thing because there were about 150 UTMs that had been developed oh. and they had to be redone. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I mean, they're so useful. It's not something that's fun to talk about, but they're useful. So that's really what I want people to get out of my writing. I want them to be able to do something with it. Oh, absolutely. And just because it's something that a lot of people aren't familiar with, would you mind explaining really briefly what UTMs do just so that they're not out there? Yeah. I don't want you to be totally confused. (laughs) So this nerdy... UTM thing that we're talking about. They're basically little snippets of code that Google reads when you attach them to a URL. And when you go and look in your Google Analytics or your analytics software, it tells you where all your traffic's coming from. So if I'm saying, if I'm setting up a special link for, say, a blog, and I want to know where that person came, how that person got onto my blog, um, I'll add a thing that says, oh, this this blog coming from Google or this blog has came from someone searching for this keyword. It's really hard to explain without being able to show it, <laughs> I realize. But I highly recommend if you're doing any kind of content marketing or advertising online to look it up on Google's website. Oh, absolutely. And I will even put a link in the show notes to the UTM builder that I use. It's probably this, I don't, yeah, if you can just know something else to build it, it's way better. <laughs> yeah. But the way that I really love to use it is 
I'll have different tweets going out with different graphics, and I love to know which combination works best. So I'll have yeah. different UTMs for, say, tweet one with creative two or whatever. Yeah. And then I can track which one is working best. Perfect. So you you get up, you said, at six and you go to bed at 10. Is that what you said? Yeah. About? Um, what type of wind down routine do you have? Do you have one? I do. Most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes I will work right until I go to bed depending on what I'm working on. But I try to be really strict about being in bed at about 9.30 so I can slowly wind down. I've always had, I've always lived in kind of small town resort kind of places that are really quiet and dark at night. And I moved to the city about five years ago and I have found it so hard to fall asleep here because of the noise. So I actually do have to have a routine. I usually have like chamomile tea before I go to bed. I'll shut off my computer if I'm not working. I shut off my phone so I'm not distracted and I'm kind of just getting into that calm space. And I actually have earplugs and an eye mask that I wear when I go to bed. And when I'm falling asleep, I go through a process. It's like expressing gratitude because when you're expressing gratitude, you can't feel angry or stressed out. So I find that's really helpful if I'm just for five minutes while I'm falling asleep, just reminding myself what I'm thankful for about that day. Oh, I love that. And I've been trying, actually just this week, I started doing or adding gratitude to my daily journaling. And it has really made a difference. And yeah. I, I'm sort of surprised that I hadn't been doing it beforehand. But I, I found that I had to take myself away from the screen as well. And I've been trying to do it about an hour before the hardest part for me has been taking myself away from my phone because I use it as my alarm. And, um, and I was also using it to read books. Oh so yeah. I've been moving back to physical copies of books, which I have to say, I'm really enjoying. I'm even though I, even though you can highlight on eBooks, I'm loving using old school highlighters again, except when my kids get a hold of them. Yeah. And <laughs> everything's highlighted. Oh yeah. The whole book <laughs> is highlighted by that point. I mean, especially with three and two year olds. Oh. So you, and then they start drawing all over each other's faces, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> what topics do you especially love to write about? Are there any in particular? Oh, yeah. I, for my new project, which is called Own Up, Grown Up, I'm writing all about kind of the issues that millennials face, which are like the 20 and 30-something uh, generation. And it's really interesting to me because, you know, I am of that generation, but I've also become much more observant about how different this generation is from any previous, especially with all the technology and things that have changed. So I really love writing about kind of like the cultural aspects of that and how I see different things in the world now affecting the way that people communicate, cooperate, and treat each other. It's really interesting to me. I love psychology. I will, you know, I read a lot of psychology books and I love writing about psychology so it got me interested in marketing as well, because a lot of that is about psychology. So what are you reading right now? Right now, I actually just got a copy of Seth Godin's Purple Cow from the library um, that I just started reading. I recently finished his book, um, We're All Weird. 
and uh, loved it. I love all of his books. And for some reason, I've never read Purple Cow, which is kind of like his biggest book. Uh, so I'm really excited to get into that. That's really fascinating. That was actually the first one that I read of his. And yeah. I just <laughs> recently finished Tribes, but I have not read We're All Weird. Yeah, and, it's good. And to me, that would have been like the first one that I would have read. But I got to be totally honest, I hadn't heard about it. Yeah, and I hadn't heard about it either. I think I found it doing an online search for the Purple Cow. And that one I just happened to be able to get sooner. So I read We're All Weird. I've read Tribes as well, which is uh, one of my favorite books. Um, Purple Cow is really cool. It's all about building a remarkable business. So how to be different um, in a way that's authentic. So uh, and I love reading his books. He's, you know, the king of brevity and being able to write or stuff so much meaning into short sentences. Uh, something I think any writer aspires to do, but has trouble with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I subscribe to his, his blog. Yeah. And I love getting his emails. I have to say too, that I especially love the really short ones. Not that I don't find just as much value in the long blogs but there is just always so much content like you said into the short little snippets yeah when you can write a two sentence blog article and you're just sitting there <laughs> thinking wow yeah, yeah so listeners if you're not subscribed head on over there will be a link in the show notes so you actually just l launched I want to go back to own up grown up mm -hmm. I got that right right yeah yeah we we talked a little bit about this pre-show but could you share more about your program for that with the listeners yeah I mean right now it's just a blog and um, I mean I'm gonna do a lot more with it but I wanted to start it out simply and start to really get into it before I started uh, building out pieces. In short, it's, it's, a, it's kind of like a social research project on millennials and how our generation is different in the context of the changes that have happened within the last you know, 20 or 30 years, um, ma mainly technology. So I'm really exploring things like finance, personal finance, career choices, and things like that. And I just want to really, really dive deep and figure out what's different. And if I can help people kind of get through this period known as the quarter life crisis, which is nothing new, but it's something I, as a 30 year old, saw a ton of people go through within the last couple of years, just people who had no real direction in their life. They didn't know if they'd chosen the right career. They didn't know, you know, how to start a business or if they wanted to start a business, they didn't know how to deal with their finances. They weren't saving for retirement, all these different things. And we're kind of dealing with an age of too much information now where no one knows where to get the right information because there's so much bad information out there. So it's a huge undertaking. And I think, you know, I'd really like it to be a book or something someday. And then whatever comes out of that, I'm just kind of starting slow right now, but I really am in love with this project and what I'm learning from it. What did you see yourself being when you grew up when you were a kid? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be like an Olympic figure skater, a professional horseback rider. I never really knew what I wanted to be. Um, and I struggled with it a lot. When high school, I remember 
I really wanted to be an artist of some kind. And I was really interested in looking at graphic design and art direction. Um, and that never really worked out because I found like I, I love art and I love being creative, but that wasn't really the medium that spoke to me. And writing came to me. It was funny. It's funny how you like reflect on things and you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. For years and years, like I tried to figure out what I was doing. I worked in tourism for a while. I had a bunch of different jobs and then it just clicked for me. And it was like, the thing that I have always done is writing. You know, I was a journaler as a kid. I used to write like spelling tests for my little sister. I was crazy about grammar as a kid. My dad brings this up all the time, which is funny. And I've always been a book nerd. Like I've always had my face buried in a book and I've always been reading two or three books at the same time. So yeah, it's funny how you don't realize that that's your thing until it just clicks one day and you're like, Oh, that's what I should do. So it's been a long process. Do you remember what your first chapter book was? Oh, my first chapter book. Gosh, I used to love when I was really young, I used to love reading. I remember I used to read Nancy Drew. I used to read like R.L. Stein, like a lot of those kid books. Um, and I got really into like the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Um, and I got really into biographies as like a, an older teenager, which was strange. I don't know if it's strange, but I got really into like rock biographies, like Anthony Kiedis's scar tissue and, and books like that. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember in the listeners, you can go back and look up the original publishing date, but I can remember when I was in third grade, the babysitters had the babysitter club had just oh i totally used to read those i forgot about the babysitters club yeah i think i read all of those i was actually had like a subscription service yeah and classic <laughs> book club yeah I remember. oh um, man my mom would would buy us the books and we would read them that day it, <laughs> gone my sister yeah my sister and i were book nerds as well she would take us to the library and we would carry home huge bags full of books it's so cool I, I, I'm pretty sure the three of us my mom included I'm pretty sure that we kept a, the better part of the Rochester <laughs> Rochester New York public library system going with our overdue fines <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> looking back though I've thought about this myself because when I when I was in high school, I always thought it would be great to be an architect in outer space. Don't, don't ask me how. I just That's wanted cool. to be an architect. So I got my interior architecture degree, and by that time, I realized that wasn't going to happen, the outer space part. I just <laughs> didn't want to be stuck in a spaceship. But looking back everything that's going on in social media marketing and how it's such a big part of my career right now, people have asked, would you do it differently? And the interesting part is when I went through college, social media marketing wasn't a thing. Um, like AOL was just, <laughs> yeah. it was already launched and high speed internet was just coming around. So we didn't need to do dial up anymore, but there wasn't, you know, and a social media marketing per se program anywhere that could have been gone through. If you could go back and do things any differently in your past, would you? 
Oh, gosh. Yes. I mean, I think in terms of trusting my intuition, I think has been the biggest thing. I think I fought my intuition a lot in my early 20s. Um, I always kind of knew I wanted to do a creative career, but I didn't trust that I could be successful at it. So I would probably have gone to some kind of, I didn't go to, uh, communications. I didn't get my communicate communications degree until I was 27. I think when I finished, um, I think if I could have done that sooner, I'd be a lot farther along, but who knows? Social media marketing is an interesting thing. I remember even, I only went to university, you know, I guess 10 years ago now. Wait, no, that's not right. I think we learned how to set up a Twitter profile and that was like our digital marketing course. And now, yeah, it's so much different. And I had to learn all of my digital marketing. Sounds like you did too, by trial and error. So it would have been amazing to know how to do social media marketing or email marketing. We never even knew what email marketing was when I went to university. So yeah, definitely those things that help you build a business from the ground up, I think, need to be covered more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when we, I don't want to put a date on you because I don't know how old you are and I'm not asking. (laughs) Like when I, when I was in college, you know, those were the days when you would be thrilled if you had one or two emails when you signed in to your email. And now I would love to just have one or two. Now it's about 550. I'm exaggerating just a little (laughs) bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I have a whole email account that's just for newsletters and things because I was getting so overwhelmed and spending way too much time talking about productivity, spending far too much time on email every day, even just deleting and like checking stuff out. So I had to set up a whole account to send all that stuff to. Thank you for that awesome segue, by the way. What other systems do you have set up to help you with productivity? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, if you're starting out, and you maybe don't have a team behind you yet, you need systems. And I think I have a pretty good and really simple system set up, which works for me. And I, for me, things need to be simple, otherwise I won't use them. So I use Asana for all my project management. So I'll put tasks with deadlines. I'm super deadline driven, so that program really works for me. Um, and it sends notifications to my phone when things are due, so I can never miss anything. And I use Google Drive for most of my client work because it's so easy to send stuff to them and they can add comments and track changes and things right there and we don't have to email stuff back and forth. Um, I also use FreshBooks for all my accounting purposes because I'm not, I'm getting better, but I'm not really a numbers person and having to do my own accounting was really stressful. So I have a payment system set up so people can pay by credit card right there. I don't have to worry about chasing people down for invoices because they get reminders. Um, That's been a really nice piece. And I also use MailChimp for all my email marketing. And I have a paid account so that I can do automation and things like that. I'm sitting over here laughing because I've actually been trying to get my lawn guy, the guy who comes and mows our lawn, to use FreshBooks or Harvest. Because oh, yeah. we've chatted a little bit from the small business owner standpoint, and he was complaining that sometimes it's hard to collect money from his clients, <laughs> not me. I mean, I've got it, or I'm going to run out <laughs> and get it if I forgot. But I'm like, you need an invoicing tool. 
he and he just was like, "What's that?" Yeah. So I'm like, "I will text it to you." And it's practically no. I mean, it's not free, but it's practically no charge compared to all the work that you're putting in. Yeah, so I completely agree on that. Yeah, and it's nice. I like it because I can also it makes your taxes way easier because you get all those totals. Um, and I just put everything through FreshBooks now. And you can also track your um, spending. So I have accounts hooked up to there so I can see how much I'm spending on my software for my business. And it, it just helps you kind of put the whole business together and maybe cut where you need to or grow other things where you can. Oh, absolutely. I actually was a FreshBooks user for the longest time and then switched over to Harvest because at the time that I switched, FreshBooks didn't have a retainer system. Oh, yeah. But I understand that they've just added that, which was very coincidental. <laughs> and I'm going to have to research that. But again, listeners, if you're frantically trying to write all this info down, you can find it all the links and all the information that we're talking about at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp060. And I just want to apologize really fast. If you keep on hearing a click over here, it's because a 40 pound cat has decided it needs to pace back and forth across <laughs> my desk. So positive productivity, not always perfection and sometimes encumbered by fat cats. Oh, uh, I have a cat. She's not fat, but she's Likes to, when I'm typing on my computer, she'll just sleep on my arms. It's yes. worse. <laughs> like I, and my arms are like sore all the time because she does that. Yes. Well, I, the, <laughs> this one is just one of three listeners have been blessed or cursed to hear more than once about fame and fortune who are my, this, this fact yeah. is my husband's, but fame and fortune are my cats and, uh, Yes, sorry. I will get rid of him so that you <laughs> listeners don't have to hear this, but he has just worked himself into a bag on my desk as well. Oh, it's a fun time always around here. Yeah. What is... So you talk about finances and you just had a whole list of great things that you talk to millennials about. Mm. But if there is one piece of advice that you could give to millennials right now, what do you think it would be? Oh, that's a good one. I think from my perspective, because this is something I'm just figuring out myself, um, start dealing with your finances in your 20s. Start having a savings plan, having a budget. Uh, it doesn't have to be super strict, but at least know where your money is going and be conscious about the way that you spend your money. And even, you know, start putting money into your retirement accounts and investing at a young age because the younger you start, the more your money can grow and the better money habits you'll establish over time. Um, I was terrible with money in my 20s. Like, I was living, you know, I lived paycheck to paycheck. I, you know, definitely went out a lot more than I probably should have and, I'm at a point now where I'm like, you know, ready to settle down and buy a home and things like that. I'm just not quite there yet. And I realized if I would have in my 20s started to really deal with my money and become a better money manager, I probably would be at a much better place. So deal with your money. <laughs> oh, I agree with that 1000%, especially for millennial entrepreneurs, because at least here in America, and I know you're in Canada. I don't know what it's like up there, but 
when you're trying to buy a home and you're a small business owner <clears throat> and get a mortgage, it's really hard as an entrepreneur in America. Yeah, to, it's the same here. To get that lender. Unless your credit score is like impeccable and you have plenty of money. Yeah. So you are working on another new project, a copywriting course, and I know all the details aren't nailed out yet, but can you give any information about that to listeners? Yeah, definitely. Um, so this came about from actually a couple workshops that I did just locally in my town. And people at the workshop were like, you should put this online. And I had never really thought about that for some reason, because I just figured there were so many copywriting courses out there. However, I serve a pretty specific audience. I work specifically with people who are socially conscious and have like a social enterprise or a nonprofit um, or some kind of a business model where they give back. So I'm developing a copywriting course uh, specifically for people who want, who are in that segment of the of the population and want to learn how to do their website copy I find especially with um, people who are really cause and mission focused they put so much effort into the work that they're doing and then their website copy which is kind of you know for a lot of people the first place that someone gets to learn about you and I see the same mistakes over and over and over again so in the copywriting course I'm going to address the most common mistakes, the easiest ways to learn how to do copy, a bunch of the tools that I use um, to make copywriting better and, and easier for people. And yeah, just gives people some really, really good actionable advice. And then I'm going to offer people that do the course, if they finish it in a certain time, I'll offer to review a page or two of their website for them for free. Oh, that's so fantastic. And I was going to ask you what some of those mistakes were, but I'm going to just let, <laughs> let listeners sign up for the course and the link for that will be in the show notes. Great. Thank you. Ricky, where can listeners find you and find out more about you and also find out more information about your copywriting course and own up grown up? Sure. So um, my copywriting all goes through my business, B Rad Media, which is B E R A D M E D I A dot com. And um, you can subscribe there. If you sign up early, I'm going to offer a an incentive for people to uh, sign up for the course if they subscribe early. And also, if you're interested in learning about Own Up Grown Up, which is the project uh, I'm working on addressing issues for millennials, it's exactly like it sounds, ownupgrownup.com. And we've got a private Facebook group. If you look it up online or on Facebook, uh, you're more than welcome to join. Um, it's by invite. And you can also find me on social media. I'm on Twitter at BRadMedia and Facebook at BRadMedia as well. Fantastic. Well, Ricky, thank you so much for joining me today and for all the great information that you gave to listeners. It has been absolutely awesome. Thank you. It was such a pleasure being here. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. 
Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.